Hello and welcome, friends, to Journey to Grateful, a podcast designed to explore the many obstacles of living life after loss. I've created this show to help guide anyone who is newly experiencing loss, educate those who are unsure how to help someone who has, and I truly hope our stories embrace everyone who is currently living a life through the loss of someone special. I'm your host, Tim Begonia, a father and a widower. Now, saying that title, that truth, out loud often surprises me, even today. There are many who feel the same way and are willing to share their own stories in hopes of lending a helping hand. I'd like to begin by thanking my many contributors who you will come to know truly make this show possible. Sharing our experiences honestly will help to create a better understanding of the many aspects of loss. I hope these stories will become the foundation of your own journey to Grateful. Welcome to our community. I am so very thankful that you've decided to join us. Let's begin our journey together. Welcome, friends, to Episode 7 of the Journey to Grateful podcast. My name is Tim Begoni, and I'm your host. Today's episode, I'm very much looking forward to. I'm having a conversation with one of our contributors, Mary Ellen. Now, she has written some stories over at our blog at journeytograteful.com. And I'm telling you, her insightful, unique take on the way that she has been going through and experiencing her specific grief journey is just simply refreshing. So, without further delay, I'd like to begin our grief conversation about early grief. So, thanks for for joining me. Um, I think we want to talk about early grief, correct? I think that let's let's start there. And if yeah. it weaves and bobs somewhere else, then you know, um, amen. Let's see I where it goes because that's that's kind of where grief goes. It's it's you think you're on a certain path, and then. <laughs> All of a sudden, you're like, oh, wait a minute. Um, I'm supposed to handle this now? <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, how, how, did, uh, how did early grief, how did you handle early grief yourself? How did that kind of affect you? It was, um, well, honestly, it's nothing like I had ever experienced before in my life, even though I had, uh, you know, I'd had people that I was close to pass away. Um, but this particular grief that hit me and exploded my world was, um, my husband had passed away and it's, it's just, I don't know. I can't even describe it. It's like nothing I've ever known. There was no other grief that could compare to it. Um, I think that's where the that's where the the confusion lies is that so many times in life we want to uh, put a description in a nice neat little package uh, into what we're experiencing so others can understand that and truly you can't you cannot fully and completely explain those those first days those first weeks of grief at all especially when you lose someone quickly and unexpectedly. Right. And, and I agree with you. I, I think that every, every death, every grief, every relationship has its own life. And just like you can't really fully explain your relationship with other people in your life, you know, to the fullest extent, 
you can't really explain that sense of grief to anybody. It's really yours and yours alone. And I think when people own that it is theirs and really is a distinct story for them, it's, it's their grief. And when people, well, when I realized that it was my grief and this was my journey, um, mm-hmm. it became unique and it became distinctive to me. And I realized that I was on this path that I needed to walk. And one of the things that I learned is that even though I had to walk this journey on my own, I didn't mm-hmm. have to walk it alone. Sure. Which yeah. was a huge distinction. Um, but that I agree with you that this this sense of grief was just something, and I called it otherworldly. Hmm. And I don't know. I, if I, I totally saying. agree. I, I think that's that's a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just, yeah, you can't grasp it. No, no, and and I felt like it, maybe that was the distinction between um, tying our life here on Earth to possibly a spiritual life. Like this, mm-hmm. this transition was just otherworldly. And I was getting a glimpse at that, that transition. Um, but it was, uh, it was definitely a process. What about you? Uh, with my wife, certainly the experience was much different than with your husband, because my wife had been diagnosed with breast cancer in 2017, uh, metastasized into brain tumors in, uh, but actually two days before 2019. And then we became uh, transitioned into early last year that things were not going as they were planned to go. Mm-hmm. And we had a preparation period, uh, which, you know, I will always, always be thankful for what my wife she was certainly the strongest woman that I've ever known. And she was a planner. And thank God she was a planner. Uh, she she changed me over the course of our almost 15-year marriage and, because she was a planner. And that, um, that just was emphasized in the last couple of years because she wanted to get things set. Uh, I, as you know, we have three kids, so that was important to her. So for, for our experience and for my experience personally, uh, with her loss, uh, we had a lot of, uh, what do you call it, a- anticipated grief okay. happening before her, her final days. So the experience um, was much different than other experiences that I've had. We had only a couple of years prior to that. Um, my daughter's grandfather, and I say it that way because as you re- recall, my wife was married before. She actually lost her husband suddenly, and that was back in 1999, and their daughter was nine months old. So um, his father passed in 2017 suddenly. So I get both sides of that particular coin, and neither side is better than the other, right? No, no. it's, It's just different. Right. And it's always interesting how when I'm in a bereavement group, when we talk about people's experiences, it's so interesting to hear how different their um, where they came from in that experience is. How, however, how similar a lot of the details within their experience are. So, you know, you and I can relate. We have a core 
similarity. We have many differences, even those differences have some similarity within them at times. And it's quite interesting. What else in life can you say that you've had this this uh, common loss, yet it wasn't exactly the same, yet there are so many aspects of it that were the same. And then, of course, now you put your personality, my personality, so-and-so's personality into their experience and uh, what we pull away from it, even our viewpoints that we can share are completely different. I mean, that's why you and I are talking. That's why the first time you and I talked, which I think if I'm being honest, I figured, okay, I'm going to talk to her on the phone. It'll be a 10, 15 minute conversation. And what did we do? I think we were probably over an hour. I, I probably, yeah, it, it, it was, was, I mean, it was such an interesting conversation for me because um, I found that through my grief process, and I do call it a grief process or a grief journey. Yes. And um, just to speak to how you were saying that, yes, we have different stories but there are so many similarities. I feel like the emotions are the similarities. Like those are universal. Yes. No matter who goes through grief, you're going to have the emotions. Now, when you have them or how you have them or how you process them is going to be different, you know, person yeah. by person. But yep. the interesting thing to me is that when we had our phone conversation, it as a person who's grieving, it is such a... I don't want to say a relief, but it's a, like a connection point that somebody else actually understands. We, we said, you get it. Right. I get it. Right. He gets right. it. She gets it. And that's, right. that's huge. Yeah. yeah. And, and there, there are people who I talk to that I have to explain the context or I have to explain the background. Or I have to explain where I'm coming from or why this is so deep or why this is such a revelation or, you know, there's so much explaining around it, but um, when, when I talk to people who have lost a loved one and most, most likely when I've talked to somebody who's lost a spouse, we don't have to explain anything around the feeling that we're talking about. We're both Correct. like, yes, I get it yes. immediately. And yes. I think it was just, um, I think it, it probably was just such a relief to be able to talk to somebody for that length of time to say, Oh, they, they get it. I can breathe. I can, I can breathe yeah. through this. Yeah. So that yeah. was, yeah. that was, that was good. Now here's a question for you and it just popped in my head, but I personally have an interest, not only talking with somebody and, and getting that moment where it's like, Oh, yep. Mm -hmm. Certainly they get this, they understand, or yep, that happens to me too. But it, it also intrigues me as to what the difference is. Uh, may have been in whatever process they happen to be going through and at whatever point they're in their grief they are going through. Do you find the same interest in uh, hearing some, and I guess it's a little bit more than just somebody else's perspective. And that's, again, why I really wanted to chat with you and have this conversation is because your perspective on grief is uh, refreshing. It's different in many ways than what I um, either immediately think or allow myself to think. 
okay. about grief. Okay. And I think that is what's really interesting is not only what we were going through, but even the different approaches that you have from me. And of course, we're at the point in our grief a little bit differently. I am uh, 10 months out. And I think you're a little over two years. Is that correct? A little over two years. Yes. Okay. Yes. Then how does how do you find that being a difference? I actually um, I actually write, as you know, and I looked back in my journal at there was another person I had talked to when they were grieving at seven months, and she was just you know she was at that point where she just said I need to know that this pain will subside. I just need mm-hmm. to know that I can get my life back. Mm-hmm. And so I went back in my journal, and I looked at what I wrote at seven months, and I read it to her. And she just started crying. And wow. I said, this is where I was, you know, and this is where I am now. I said, you're fine. You're, you know, keep doing what you're doing, survive every day, keep going. You are okay. And so if I were to look back at my 10-month writing, I would see, you know, where I was at that point. And, you know, here a little over two years out, I I would say that for me, I don't think time is actually um, an indicator of how far or how much somebody has traveled on their grief journey. I don't think time alone is really applicable because somebody could be, uh, I talked with somebody this past weekend who was four years out and he was stuck on a certain Sure. points. And, sure. um, and I, I listened to where he was and, or where he is. And I mentioned a few things to him and it just like this light bulb just went off in his head, you know, just, you could just see his, his shoulders kind of lift up and you could see the light coming into his eyes a little bit. And I was like, Oh, okay. Maybe I helped get him unstuck a little bit. Nice. And nice. I, I think for me, um, my approach was, Yes, I have time, but I also need to understand what this journey means. I need to understand the bigger picture. I need to, whether it's spiritual or universal or however somebody draws their energy into themselves from the outside world, Mm -hmm. I needed to understand how it fit with everything and what I was supposed to do with it and how I was supposed to grow from it. Um, Because in my mind, I have seen people shrink. And I've seen people in so much despair that they disconnect with life. And I remember very early on, even in the first couple of weeks that I had made a commitment to myself that I was not going to go that route. And not to say that anybody's approach is better than another. I just knew for me, in my personal growth, that I needed to learn what I needed to learn from this why it had come along in that part in my life and then where I should go from there. And yeah. I'm not going to say I didn't have pain. <laughs> not going to oh, say yeah. it wasn't, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, I was on a grief journey. It was tough. Yeah. It was, it was, um, I think at one point I, you talk sometimes about what are the obstacles and I really clearly remember and I've written those down. I've written down, well, what were those obstacles? And I and how did I overcome those? Or how did I work through those? Or how did I walk around them? And one of the things that I had early on thought is that 
the force of grief is so immense that it has to be met with a force that's lighter, that's more life-giving. And to me, that was gratitude. Sort of an overcoming of that negative force. Well, not just overcoming, but meeting it. Ah, like if I'm okay. going to have, if I'm going to have a, a life force, it's something that I cannot control and I can get into control because that was mm. one of the obstacles. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if I am going to be met with, you know, this was not my choice to be met with this grief, but if I am going to meet this grief and it is such a powerful force, I have to meet it with a force that is life-giving, that is lighter, that can Mm -hmm. basically not take it away, because I don't think you can take grief away, but it had to be, it had to meet it and lift it. And and for me, that was gratitude. And just very, very, very early on, I just started that as a, as a coping mechanism. I, I love the viewpoint of that, and I love how it is something that certainly is focused on the positive aspects. And there, there and positive aspects of life. And there are potentially many, depending upon what your life is and what your life around you is. Family, right. friends, uh, siblings, parents, um uh, sons, daughters, you fill in the blank, you know, and it, it does make a difference how you are going to walk through this particular journey and right. how you determine yourself to do so. Right, right. And I, I agree with that. And even now that I think back to even that first couple of days after when my uh, family was gathering at our house. Uh, you know, people would come in and a little bit quietly. And I told, I told someone there, I said, okay, I want you to let everybody know. I don't want any whispering. No tip-toe. I don't want any quiet yep. voices. Yep. I don't want this to be a house of death. I want this to be a house of life. <sighs> I like and this. I just, I said, I want everybody to have their regular voices. I want laughter if you yep. have a joke, tell it. If you have something that you want to say to somebody else, just let it go. If you want to cry, cry. Yep. Just be. I said, I need to hear that regular cadence and rhythm of voices that I am used to on a regular day. I said, uh, that's what's going to connect me back to life. Yes. And that was in the first couple of days. I said, I need a connection to life because this grief is going to take me under if I don't have that. And mm-hmm. everybody complied. Um, they And I said, if you need, and I have a huge family. And um, so they all whipped out their laptops and they started answering their work emails. And I said, yes, please, please do that. And <laughs> we had to up the Wi-Fi in the house, which is fine. <laughs> um, when you have 12 people on computers yeah. <laughs> connecting to work, like, <laughs> it's got to happen. <laughs> but it was so... I needed that. I needed that. I needed to see people on their computers, you know, taking work calls. I needed to see them answering emails. I needed to see them sharing jokes. I needed to see them eating. I needed to see, okay, what, what does normal life look like for everybody right now? Because I don't have it. Oh yes, definitely. 
and, and you want you want as much of it as you possibly can in yes. those first few days. Uh, yeah. For me, and this this is where my my head went when you started saying this, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is literally something that happened to me in a slightly different manner. Uh, as you re- might recall, my wife passed on July 3rd. And early, early in the morning. So then, of course, that day looks like it should. Family and friends all come over, and it was uh, it was evening, and it was just before dark. And we had on our patio probably a good twenty, twenty five people, and I think it was mostly friends or mostly family. Sorry, um, and a few friends. So uh, I just needed to go for a walk and I had been going for walks with my daughter at the time often so it was a nice way to kind of clear your head and in fact her and I went with with uh, her two brothers uh, for a walk earlier that day but this time I just needed to go for a walk myself and I took off around the neighborhood and third of the third of July so as I'm going around the neighborhood and it's starting to get darker, we're hearing from farther, far distances, um, 3rd of July fireworks or, uh, you know, backyard fireworks, what have you. And as I'm coming down the street to come back into our house and I'm walking up the driveway, everybody is on our back patio, which is behind our house. And I cannot see anybody, but I could hear them. Yeah. And it was, it was what I needed. I needed to hear them laughing. And as I got closer, I heard them telling stories and many stories involved my wife. And it was, it was just, that's what her life was all about. Uh, We oftentimes would entertain and have family and friends over. And that was that was her right there in that moment. And it was, it was wonderful. And it was exactly what I needed. And hopefully it was exactly what everybody else needed. And that your story just completely brings me back to that moment because on a day that is so tragic in any viewpoint, it's wonderful to be able to get some of that, that lighter, more normal volume back into that particular day. So thank you for sharing what you did because that that brought me right back. That was that's wonderful. And and you have to go through it to understand it, right? Yes. 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 And that's you know that early grief man, it it swings high and low, right? (laughs) And it it swings high and low based on what you're thinking at the time, what you're allowing yourself to think. If you're allowing yourself to take care of yourself or to wallow and the people who are around you. Yes. Right. Yes. Yes. So <laughs> we're both wiping uh, away tears. Yeah, we're both wiping our, uh, wiping our eyes. Oh uh, man. It still gets me. Yeah. Yeah. At least this time it gets me and I don't, you know, early grief, it got me and I'd be sobbing on the floor. Now it gets me and I have a dear, a tear to wipe away. So, you know, it's, it's still there. <laughs> progress oh, progress yes, yes well and that that goes to to show you that um and in the same thing that i've ever experienced grief does not go away it does not disappear there is no end correct you talked about its process 
and I wave in that same flag. I mean, obviously with my website and podcast, that's what I'm trying to make sure that everybody understands and that they understand that it it doesn't need to be this hushed tone no. all the time. It doesn't have to have people cautious every time they're around you. And I appreciate what people do, right? Especially oh, in those first days. They're they're trying to be they're trying to be uh, polite and reverent for you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think what happens in those first couple of days now that you said that is when, when a person is grieving, they're at their most vulnerable, like it's hitting them at their core and you don't often see people, right? You would, you'd really don't often see the core of a person. Like we all have these protective mechanisms in our walls and our shields and everything else. And So what I think is that when the people around you who care for you are trying to take care of you, they've never experienced you this raw before. Yes. And it's a new journey for everybody. Yes. It's a new journey for yourself because you you may have potentially never touched this rawness of yourself before. You you may never even have known this part of you existed. So you're getting used to it. Mm-hmm. And then the people around you are trying to be as gentle possibly as they can be getting used to this new part of you that you're also discovering. And it's, it's a gentle journey. And, and if I have to say anything, um, be gentle, just be gentle with yourself, be gentle with others. You are both now on this new path that neither one of you has ever touched before. And it's a discovery process. And if you can just be gentle and compassionate and kind, that really is just the gateway into taking care of somebody. And I completely agree. I mean, yes. that that can last for months. That can last, you know, as long as you need to until that person can really, you know, take a few steps on their own with their new feet. It's, it's. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Uh, take the take steps with uh, of their own with their new feet. The great way of looking at it, because I, I definitely understood early on that my life was going to be redefined because of this, and I had a hand in how that was going to be redefined, and I didn't know how it was going to be redefined. And, and, uh, you know, it's, it's like an adolescent, you don't know how they're going to end up, but you know, that that's part of a process. That's that's kind of what we're going through. Right. Right. And I I really like that you, you brought up the fact that you're going through it with other people, with either the family or friends. And they're also dealing with their own, uh, issues with, Maybe they're wondering, how do I help? Or maybe they're wondering, how do I react? What do I say? Um, any any ideas for people out there that are trying to support a friend um, that could kind of narrow it down in a, in a relatively neat-ish nutshell? Because I oftentimes tell people, you know, just being there, and and knowing that somebody is a phone call away, and even the fact that they may have told me literally twenty four seven call, that's a that's a really big comfort. 
And I, I would probably say um, I have a different approach to that. And, you know, like you said, everybody is different on this process. Yes. My approach was um, prior to my husband's death, I had, I was a, I was a kind of do everything on your own kind of person Mm -hmm. (laughs) and really never did not ever want to ask people for help and didn't ever want to feel like I was, um, I thought of it as I wasn't strong enough. If I had asked somebody Mm -hmm. else for help, well, Mm -hmm. that whole, (laughs) that whole idea kind of (laughs) changed. Yeah. So afterwards, that's um, an education for you, Wilson. Oh man, was it that that was uh, that was something to go through. And I have to say, now I am very comfortable asking people for help, and I learned that it was it was a tough lesson, and I learned very quickly that I had to change some things in my life, and that was one of them. I had to I had to be comfortable asking for help, and I had to know how. Yes. I had to give myself permission to do it. Yes. That was probably the biggest hurdle. I had to give myself permission to ask for help. And so I knew myself well enough that if somebody said, call me when you need me or tell me if you need something, I wasn't going to do it. So what I said to them, what I said to them was, I have a hard time asking for help. I'm learning how, to, I, mean, I said this out loud, I'm learning how to ask for help. Excellent. Well, I need from you. And I told them specifically, there was one particular person um, who said, well, I'm going to check in on you and, you know, just let me know what I can do. I said, no, no. I said, this is what I need you to do. I need you to text me. <laughs> I need you to text me every week. And this is exactly, I said, word for word, this is what I need you to put into the text so that I will respond. And I said, um, how are you doing today? Tell me how you're really feeling. Uh, <laughs> I, and I, I like said, that because it really makes the response specific, right? Yes. And, and yes. the general, what can I do for you? Boy, if I really think about that, I could bring out a list of about 25 things without even trying, right? Right. Plus, for but me, I'm never it, was gonna so ask ambiguous. it was so yes. ambiguous. Yes. I'm like, yes. I was in such a disoriented state that to handle the ambiguity of what somebody could do for me was too much of a a decision for me to make. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was trying to piece my world back together again. And for me to make yet another decision about what somebody else could do for me was just, it was weighty. It was too weighty. And I I was too disoriented. And so I needed some very specific structure. And so by telling this person exactly how to contact me and exactly what to say took away the ambiguity. It gave me some structure. It helped enough. It, it, it was a connection for life that I could handle that didn't come at me from the side to say, here's yet another decision for you to make. Yeah. So for me, it was, that was, that was a good approach. Um, another thing that really helped was if I started crying on a phone call, you know, the grief waves hit you all the time. Yep, whenever you do. Really, it, I, I said one time, I said, I wish I could program a grief app, you know, like a weather <laughs> app, you, the weather app, yes. you're like, you know, it's going to rain <laughs> to today. Predict it's going to be cloudy. 
I'm like, I want a grief app. I want to go on my grief app and know when the grief wave is going to hit so I can be home at that time and not in a grocery store or not. Now you do realize (laughs) you'd be less accurate than weather predictors, right? I know. know. So whenever I was on a phone call, this, this, I got to tell you, this meant the world to me. Um, if I ever started crying, whether it's because they had asked him to say his name or give information or social security number, that's what hit me hard. Like when I had to give his social security number, I'm like, I would never, when he was living, I'd never had to give his social security number. He would. Yes. So just knowing that why I was giving this information would hit me. And the, this is the phrase that I will never forget that somebody said to me and I can still hear it. Um, I just started crying. I couldn't hold it in on the phone call until I got done. And they just said, it's okay. Take your time. Wow. And they just, they just, they waited like, you know, 20, it only took me 20 seconds or so, but still for that was it. Those five words. It's okay. Take your time. And then they gave you permission. They gave me permission and they gave me, they really honored that space. Yes. They gave me permission. They took away the, um, you know, so many times when we cry in public, we're supposed to be ashamed about it or we're supposed to like bottle it up and put it away. They said, it's okay. Mm -hmm. And that was immense. That was huge. I will never, ever, ever forget that. And it was, it was so compassionate and so caring and so kind. And they understood, they got it. That was wonderful. That was a wonderful thing for them to do. It was. Wow. It was. Gives me gives me faith in humanity once again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's there's a lot of good people out there. Um, but yeah, I would say I would say for me, um, for others, they just gave me the space to rest. They gave me the space to they gave me space. They gave me connection. They mm-hmm. gave me um an idea of what it was to heal. They gave me gentleness and kindness and compassion. Um, those five words, it's okay. Take your time. That, that was huge. Or the texts like exactly, exactly like how to reach out to me, what to say, just so I could respond appropriately. Um, those kind of things are helpful and they're, they are, um, I can't even, I can't even put like a big hug around it. It's just, <laughs> it, it's beyond, I, it's beyond any, it, it, it's priceless. It's priceless. I think that's exactly what, uh, what people need to know. It seems like a simple thing, mm-hmm. a text saying, how you doing? Just thinking about you mm-hmm. goes so far. Yes. You don't even have to they don't even have to offer to help with anything specifically. They don't even have to offer that question that is very wide open that you and I are kind of both in agreement that it's a little bit too much to, for us to try to give you something that you can do, but a simple hello, a simple text that just is a check-in. That's it. Yes. Just checking in. How you doing? That's awesome because it gives us the ability to, for us to choose at that particular time, how much we want to uh, engage with that person. And it also just, it's, it's a nice little hug. I mean, 
it, it seems like the strangest thing that somebody just saying, hey, I'm checking in, how you doing, is like a nice warm little blanket that just is wrapped around you and just kind of cuddles you for just a moment. And it, it's enough. And I, I do, I do like, I do like the way that you um, specifically told that person, here's what you need to text me. And that is, that's priceless. I, I love it. I've often uh, told people that, you know, I, what I'm searching for every day among many things, but is the slice of normal. And I've mentioned it in other podcasts, and it's just a slice of normal goes a very, very long way. I have wonderful support. I have um, family members who call nearly once a week and say, hey, how about you and the boys Thursday dinner? Let's go over to, you know, the we have a public market that has several different little uh, counter service type restaurants, and it works out well. It's a quick hour, hour 25 minutes that we get together with somebody. Uh, I get some food that I like, but I'm not forced to get the same food that the boys want. Right. So that's a win-win, right? Yes. <laughs> and we get the time and the conversation. And let me tell you, conversation for me, as you probably know, because of our first phone call for over an hour, <laughs> conversation conversation is important. And uh, just connecting with people, that, that slice of normal for me is, is really important. So I want to be cautious of your time. I don't want to take your entire morning here, but I, I want to know what else um, do you think that we should share, you should share, or would like to share about those, those early days. I would say, yeah, there's, there's probably one other thing that um, I don't know if this is a more of a general thing or a specific thing. And, and, but I do want to touch upon, it seems like you and I both had a lot of support and it seems like you and I both had a loving community, a kind community, a compassionate community to really reach out and support us and carry us until we Definitely. could really walk straight again. Yes. And I do want to, um, I do know also know of some people who don't have that support. And I would say that I don't know it fully, but I know a piece of it. When I was just pushing off the help when I was saying I can do this on my own in the early grief, you know, I was straddling the line between being, allowing myself to have others take care of me, which was difficult at that point to allow that to be okay. And to say, no, 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 I got this. I got this on my own. Um, I, I had a tough time connecting with life. I was more connecting with the death of it. And mm. I couldn't understand why I was stuck connected with the death of it and not with the life of it. And then had met some other people who were also a little bit stuck and didn't have the, the support and didn't have the compassion and didn't have the people around them. And um, I have seen grief counselors and therapists and life counselors along the journey. And I remember saying to this person um, during one of the sessions, I just said, I'm afraid of the depth of this grief, if I let go and I really let myself grieve, I don't know where the ends of it are. I don't know where the sides of it are. 
who's going to catch me? Mm -hmm. And she said to me, well, you're going to catch you. Oh, you will, you will catch you. Mind blowing for me. Like, (laughs) wow. I love that answer. I just thought, well, I got to have all the answers. And, Mm. you know, I, I, even though I thought I had to have all the answers, I was still waiting for, well, if I don't have somebody there and I really like let go into this grief, who's going to catch me? Yeah. And then she said, she, I mean, she just like looked up and just gave this like sudden pause. And she goes, well, you will catch you. That wow. was astounding to me. Like that's profound. I got myself. Yeah, I, really like I got myself. Yeah. Yeah. And so you got I, this. I got this. I got this. Yeah. And she goes, you have the answers inside of you. You will catch yeah. you. You won't. You will not. Like, this will not put you into a pit of despair. You got this. And, you know, in a way, is she also kind of uh, providing you permission that, yeah, you can you can be in that nasty on the ground mouth open, no sounds coming out, tears running down moment, but yes. you will pick yourself up. Yes. And that is what I needed because I hadn't gone there yet. I was afraid to go there mm-hmm. because I didn't know if I'd come back out. And yeah. I thought if I, if I let myself go to that depth of grief and despair and sadness, will I get lost there? Mm-hmm. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, really, that was some of the fear of early grief is to letting go. Yeah. And she basically was like, no, you'll, you'll come back out. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> like let yourself grieve to the nth degree that you need. Yeah. To. Otherwise it will stay bottled up inside of you and it will come out some other way. It'll come out nasty. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't want that either. And so I thought, wow, you know, and she did, she gave me permission. And so I will say to anybody who feels like they possibly don't have, um, who who doesn't think that, or doesn't know that they might have that support system around them. You got you, you got yourself, you, you got this, you know what to do. Your body knows what to do. You are part of nature you will, you will make it through. And you have to, you have to allow yourself to feel and you you have have to to allow allow yourself to, to to do that with the confidence that, you know, you will be strong enough to pull yourself out. And it's not a bad thing to hit those lows because the high will be coming. They will be there. And I I think that many people new to grief, those are the questions that they really ask themselves in the silence of a darkened room is how how can I possibly make it through this? Yes. And there's actually uh, something that I have from a good friend and podcaster, ironically enough, who gave me this. Um, I, it says, you're braver than you believe and stronger than you seem and smarter than you think. And I think the braver than you believe is something that is so true because you never know how strong you can be until that's your only choice. Yes. Yes. It becomes you very can, clear. Like all those other things yourself. kind of fall yes. away and it becomes very clear. <laughs> yes. 
definitely. And I, you know, I want to make certain that everybody understands that it doesn't matter the type of loss. You know, it can be a spouse, it can be an uncle, an aunt, a grandfather, a, a sibling, a daughter, a son. Everybody's grief, first of all and foremost, is valid. Yes. And the strength of what that grief is is going to be whatever it is going to be for you. Right. And like we've mentioned a little bit earlier, and I had said that I'm at 10 months, just because somebody's at three months or six months or one year or two years, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's what grief looks like at six months or right. quote unquote, that's what it should look like. There is no should in, in grief because no. everybody's experience is completely different. And I love that. I, again, I love that that person gave you mission to, to grieve and, and gave you the strength to know you, you yourself have that strength. You can do it. Now you just need to allow yourself to. Right. It was a, it was an obstacle, but it was, uh, it was life-changing. So yeah, it was huge. It was huge. sounds so simple. It's not. Oh, no. it, it, yeah. It's it's the basics. You know, it, I think in grief, when you go back to the basics of your life, um, that's what will help you heal the most. Just be gentle with yourself. Be compassionate with yourself. Eat. Sleep. Look for healthy um, lifelines. And yes. then survive the day. That's it. Like, not that's it, but... Go yes. find your basics, find your basics, go to those basics and start healing again. And that's, that's, uh, yeah. Good foundation. It's good foundation. So early grief, as you can see, is complicated, possibly chaotic, and not exactly the same for everyone navigating through it. I'd like to thank Mary Ellen for her time, her insights, her perspective, and her support. I greatly appreciate it. It's not easy to put yourself out there as you attempt to get a solid foothold on this journey. Believe me, I can tell you. And I will always appreciate my contributors for their courage, their dedication to share their stories, their experiences, to be willing to help someone experiencing grief that may need a connection validation perhaps with what they are now experiencing themselves so thank you again mary ellen now before i say goodbye i'd like to ask you our listeners for help help growing our community if you know someone you believe could benefit from our mission please share with them our website journeytograteful.com as you know, they can access all episodes of the podcast, our contributor stories in our blog, and easily access our various social communities. And in fact, if you have yet to follow us on Facebook or Instagram, please look and find us at Journey to Grateful and join the community and share with us your comments. But most important of all, our goal is to grow our reach, and the very best way to do that is to expose more and more people to the Journey to Grateful podcast. We need you to rate and review our show through Apple Podcasts. More reviews and more ratings will show Apple that our show is important, and they will then recommend it to others. And you can simply go to journeytograteful.com and select the Leave a Review button, which can be found on the homepage or the podcast page. 
you will be taken directly to Apple Podcasts where you can easily and quickly leave a review and select your rating. So I thank you for taking that time to do that. And with your help, we can reach more people in need and truly build our community's reach. Now, if you'd like to connect with our show on a more personal level, please feel free to email me. The email is tim at journeytograteful.com. Or you can, in fact, call our voicemail and leave a message. I would like to hear from you, share your thoughts or your stories, and maybe hear your comments on a future show. The phone number is 262-298-2428. That's 262-298-CHAT. And of course, that number can be found on our website as well. Now, lastly, thank you for your time. I appreciate you listening to the podcast, and I hope it helps provide some guidance. Lastly, I'd like to leave you with one last inspiring thought. Be the things you loved most about the people who are gone. Now, for me personally, it's the best way I can honor my wife and to keep her memory strong in who she was as present as possible. So until next time, I wish you the power of memories to brighten your days and much comfort and support to help guide you through. Thank you.